Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. Alrighty, Marvel fans, get ready because Thor Love and Thunder is coming out in less than a week. By the time you're listening to this, it will be just a few days away. We're super pumped over here and we are ready to dive into predictions. So let's get started. Katie, right off the bat, what are your initial thoughts? What are we going to see in Thor Love and Thunder? Okay, well, I'm very excited for it, mainly because Ragnarok was amazing and it really redid everything that the first two Thors were not doing. Because unfortunately in the MCU, I think Thor was falling pretty short. I will say, I'm very excited. I'm nervous for everyone else's reactions. Mainly because I think Ragnarok shook it up the way it was, and I think we're staying in that direction. I know there's been some discord on how Thor is in the comics versus how the MCU's been painting him, which I can agree to the Infinity War, or I should say the Infinity War part, but the endgame part of that. So I'm extremely excited for what we're going to see. I'm just a little worried about how other people might receive it and what that might mean for the future of Thor in the MCU. That's fair. I too am also super pumped for this. I, after Ragnarok, have really enjoyed the Thor franchise. I also think, you know, we've done the two prior Thor movies now. We've both rewatched them for our rewatch episode because they come so early on in the the MCU timeline and actually rewatching them kind of found a newfound love for the franchise as a whole. I know you talked about how they fall a little short and I think it is just very disjointed considering it's three different directors taking on the character, but I do enjoy the Thor franchise and so I'm again very excited about this trilogy or sorry, this third movie in the trilogy. And um is it the fourth? the fourth? It's the fourth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, 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 wait. I am losing it. No, the fourth movie in this, what is what comes after a trilogy? It's quad something, but like, what do you call that? It's probably quadrilogy. I think it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm excited for the fourth movie in this now quadrilogy. And um, you talked about the kind of talk online about Thor and, and the different direction he's taken. I will say that I've started to see today people must have been getting the early screeners because a lot of the journalists who cover this area that I follow have started to come out and say this is the best thing they've seen in a long time their favorite you know movie in the MCU since Infinity War which is like really high praise because I think everybody pretty much thinks Infinity War is pretty much perfect from beginning to end so There's a lot of really good praise for it. I know people talked about Russell Crowe being really amazing as Zeus, and I'm sure we're going to get into all that and what that means later. But first impressions from the journalists that have seen it are really good, and that just makes me even more excited because I think this movie has so much potential, and I'm glad to see that it's living up to it. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, obviously I love Taika, and I love everything he's done, so I just... 
I'm passionate. I'm excited to see people from Ragnarok returning, obviously with some of exceptions, which we know the two that are the biggest exceptions that will be missing, obviously, in Thor Love and Thunder. But before we get into who's returning, let's talk about who's really returning in Jane Foster. Yes, that's a big one. Let's talk about the comic line a little bit that we think that they're going to be following based on, you know, kind of what's happening. So in the comics, Jane does become the Mighty Thor. This has comic precedence. So for anybody who wants to be sexist about Jane taking on the mantle, shove it because the comics did it too. Also, just in general, shove it because that's a stupid opinion. But in the comics, Jane does get cancer. And for whatever reason, becoming Thor kind of cures her of that cancer it's unclear at this point if they're going to follow that to the T. Obviously, we know she becomes the Mighty Thor. They literally have not hid that, even from, you know, the teaser trailer. But whether they go as far as having her have cancer or, you know, be sick in some way, that part is still kind of murky. The whole transformation from regular Jane Foster, the scientist, to, you know, the Mighty Thor is obviously something they've kept under wraps. So it'll be interesting to see how closely they align with that comic book storyline versus like the type of liberties that they'll take with it. Yeah, I'm actually pretty passionate about them following that comic book storyline. And there's a couple reasons for that. And just to go off of the one thing you you said, the while she's Thor, it cures her cancer, but it's not cured completely. So when she is no longer in the, I guess, in Asgardian armor and is wielding the current weapon of Thor, which would be Mjolnir for her, then she goes back to having cancer. So she's not like fully cured. It's not like a magical now she's forever going to be cancerless. But the reason I believe she's definitely going to have cancer or be sick in some sort is we have not seen her not as Thor in the entire trailer. And we see Thor multiple times, or not as Jane. Sorry, this is going to get kind of frustratingly confusing. (laughs) But we only see her as Mighty Thor. We never see her as just Jane. While we see many shots of Valkyrie and Thor dressed down, they aren't in their armor, they aren't, you know, ready for battle. She always is. And so I think it's really important to see that there isn't that other half of her being present. So I really do believe that we will likely see a second version of her. I also know, and I can't remember if it's now been Guardians or if it's for this one, that there's been some, like, rumors about someone dying. I think it's Guardians 3. Yeah, I think it is too which is where I'll follow that train of thought elsewhere because I have we obviously have the Guardians to talk about as well. But I think it'll be interesting because there isn't much confirmation on whether she will forever be Mighty Thor. And I think that's my sticking point because Chris Hemsworth is extremely passionate about staying as Thor as long as they will want him to. And I definitely think he will stick around for another film. I truly do. And I also think his comments confirm that clearly there isn't a complete passing the mantle here. Yeah. He clearly ends this movie still as him, and Jane is now Mighty Thor, yes, but they are working in tandem now. They are not one or the other. So this movie definitely confirms there's open roles in the future for him to continue being Thor. So I don't know if we're going to see a full passing of the mantle kind of like even with Hawkeye we didn't really see that fully I mean we see him bringing Kate into everything but Hawkeye didn't step away yet you know he's still doing things so I wonder if we'll see a similar sort of thing with Thor and have him continue to make movies 
and she's just kind of going to be a tandem to him now. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I think Hawkeye is a really good example of how the original Avengers continue to still be in the picture when possible. I think the other three... The I just other- want to interrupt really quick to say, and Hulk, who we know is going to be in She-Hulk, which is also going to be a similar sort of idea. Yeah, and I mean, to finish the thought then, like, the other three who fully passed the mantles or are about to, you have Nat obviously passing it to her sister. She's dead. You, you can't have two Black Widows when one of them is dead on another planet. Yeah. You have Cap, who went back in time and obviously passed his mantle to Sam and is done. You know, he lived his life now with the woman he wanted to live. He's old and he's just doing his thing. And then you have Tony, who we all know Ironheart is coming out. So Riri Williams is on the horizon. She's not here yet, but she's coming. Tony's dead too. So like in every instance where the original Avenger is still alive and still able to be an Avenger, they're not quite writing them off yet, which I think is interesting because I think you and I both really thought that they were going to really phase out the original six in order to bring in the next era, but they're still holding on to them, which I'm not upset about, but I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we thought it was really going to be the fir- the five because we always thought Thor was going <laughs> to keep going. We just didn't know to how far. And I think it's interesting that we still don't have that answer, even with Mighty Thor now coming into the picture. But that is why I'm slightly convinced she won't be a permanent person. Not necessarily saying this will be her one movie and then be done, but I am sort of starting to think with the way that Chris Hemsworth is talking and the way he's very passionate about staying in his role, that that's going to be more his speed to stay in as Thor. I mean, he's been playing Thor since the early 2010s versus I think, you know, Natalie Portman I think it's the moment now for her, but I mean, in the nicest of ways, we've seen her step away from the role before, so I wouldn't really be surprised if, you know, she doesn't want to commit to maybe 10 years of playing Thor. Oh, I definitely don't think she's going to be doing a 10-year commitment by any means. Yeah. I actually, to be honest, because you did you did bring up her leaving the franchise, and this is nothing against Natalie Portman, I love her to death, but she's left before, and I don't know that I see her being even Mighty Thor in an Avengers movie. I don't see her being outside of the Thor franchise. She didn't do it when she had the role before. She was only ever name-dropped. So why would she do it now, even though she's, yes, in a more prominent role? I just don't really see her taking on, quote-unquote, more work in that sense, because it's just never been her M.O. She's not clearly that attached to the role. Well, and speaking inside the MCU, who knows her? You know, she's only ever been connected. Even Eric Selvig has been connected to the greater Avengers. She has not. Darcy? I mean, look at Darcy. Yeah, Darcy's been involved now with the whole WandaVision thing, too, especially. Like, she has now been part of a growth for her character. Well, we never even saw that with Jane. In all honesty, Jane is probably a name many of them have just heard. I mean, I know we, or we all saw him talk about her at Endgame because we know she was dusted. We once again got that confirmation in these trailers when she thought that the time period between the last time she'd seen Thor was a much shorter time than what it was. But not many people know her. And the thing was, what worked with the Avengers and the original Avengers when they brought them all together was enough of them had connections and everything worked that way. They all were connected by S.H.I.E.L.D. in some way. Or they were all connected to one other Avenger in some way. The problem with her is that 
looking at all of the new faces, she is literally not connected to a single one of them except Thor. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. And so it would be very hard to bring her in. I guess the only other people she's connected to are theoretically the Guardians. I was going to ask about that, or at least bring it up, because I also don't feel like we see a single shot of her with the Guardians. No, and you're correct. Okay, let's let's just broach the idea of the Guardians. I want to talk about them now, because it kind of leads into what I'm going to say. I have nothing against the Guardians. Personally, it's not my favorite franchise. I prefer some of the more serious... Okay, this is going to sound weird because I love the second two Thor... Or the third Thor film. But I prefer more serious franchises. I think the Thor franchise... Taika's take on the Thor franchise is not quite as silly as the Guardians movies are. And I think that's why, even though it is comedy, I gravitate towards that more than I do the Guardians franchise. So I'm, on some sense, like not really excited that they're even there because I'm like... I'd much rather have a Taika film with, like, the cast of characters from the old Thor movies and also his Thor movies than, like, overflow it with the Guardians, who I don't necessarily, like, they're not my favorite franchise anyway, so I'm hoping they're not in the whole movie. But with that being said, I do think that it always comes down to the big grand battle, of course. You're not going to have the Guardians at the beginning of the movie, then have Thor leave them and not have them come back to help him fight Gore. And I'm sure we'll talk about Gore later because I've heard he's terrifying. We've all seen the footage. But I just don't think that's not going to happen. So I'm thinking that Jane has to kind of work with them in that final battle. See, I actually are. I'm going to argue this. Go for it. For the sake of... I think we are going to get like 10 minutes of the Guardians and that's going to be it. It's going to be in the beginning of the movie. And that's the end. I'm okay with that. Honestly, that's what I'm hoping for. But that's truly what I think we're going to get. I think we're going to see, like, most, okay, because I'm starting to learn, or I think I am, I'm starting to learn the, the pattern of Marvel with their phase four marketing, right? And normally they release, like, the first half of the movie in the trailer, but we don't see a ton of the second half of the movie. We learned that with Shang-Chi. We even managed to learn that with Black Widow, who had like 17 trailers come out because of COVID. (laughs) But that being said, all of the images of the Guardians are in the same place. They are never where, what is it called? Like Olympicon or something of that nature? Olympia? Olympus? No, it's not fully Olympus. It's it has, it's like a special place for all. Oh, Olympia? I think, I feel like it's like Olympicon. I don't think it's Olympia. Okay. I don't know. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's where Zeus is and all the other gods are. And we also don't see them in that battle with Gore later on in the Shadow Realm, which are right now really some of the biggest scenes other than one I know we'll get to with all the statues. But they are not anywhere except those first few opening clips where... They're on a planet, looks like it's actually the planet of Yondu, because everybody there is blue, and who do we know that was blue is Yondu. Yeah, but Yondu was a Kree, so that might not, because that does not look like the Kree homeworld that we saw in Ms. Marvel. Oh, sorry, Captain Marvel. This is so difficult. I know. Well, I I do believe the Kree overall looks an area, though. Like, that's just more than their planet. But I'm, I'm just suggesting it because that would tie it more to the Guardians and why the Guardians are there. Because, obviously, Quill would be there helping, you know, Yondu's planet or people or whatever because out of respect for him. But that's just a theory out there. Regardless, I do believe that they're really only there for whatever that is. And 
something bigger comes eventually for Thor. At the end of the day, Thor is a god fighting among... Well, I guess you can't really... He is half-god, Peter Quill, but he... His power, I believe, only came from the fact that when his father was alive, so I'm not really sure that premise anymore if he really has any power other than just fighting. But regardless, he's fighting with a bunch of misfits. He's a god. At the end of the day, he has a bigger fish to fry, and I mean... He's not on, they're never on New Asgard. They're never in any of the other scenes that we see. So I truly think they're kind of just a a ploy. They're going to be in there to explain that, yeah, we know Thor went with them after the end of Endgame. That's really it. Now they said, see ya, because it's been maybe a year, two years since Endgame and Thor's overdoing everything that he's been doing. That's the whole point of the first trailer. Thor's tired of fighting these small battles all the time yeah that makes a lot of sense and honestly that's what i'm hoping for i don't want the guardians to become the focal point of this thor movie because again i think the way taika took the character i'd much rather have the focus be on the cast of characters from the thor franchise not of course that we don't love you know crossovers obviously any connection at this point is rare and we're happy to see it because it's some characters interacting but i really do hope it is that you know 10 minute hey, I'm hanging out with these guys, then I'm gonna, you know, break off from them and kind of do my own thing. You did mention that, you know, there has been some time that has passed since Endgame. And so if you think about it, I just want to run this past you. You also mentioned the time difference between how long Thor said it had been and how long Jane said it had been. So if you subtract the five years, Jane thinks it's been about three. When did they break up? pre-Infinity War. Well, it was pre-Ragnarok. Right, that's what I'm saying, like, pre-everything happening, because I guess my thing is the five years starts in Infinity War, at the end of Infinity War. Yeah. So I'm wondering how much time took place, because you can then subtract that from the three and determine what year we're in post-Blip. Well, Ragnarok went right up against Infinity War. Right. And then... In Ragnarok, he talks about the breakup as a way to just gloss over her not being there. So Ragnarok was, I believe, 2017, because I believe it was 2017, 2018, then 2019. Correct. So that would be, let's say, a year. So it would be two years. It'd be 2025. Okay. So is this the furthest along we've been? I think it is, in terms of timeline. I mean, yeah. That's why I said, too, even with the Guardians... It makes sense to why Thor's his whole story started as, you know, I'm tired of doing this because that's what the Guardians are doing. They're going around space and fighting. So if he's been doing that for two years, yeah, he's bored. Yeah. Well, because for him, like, what are these little battles they're fighting, you know? Exactly. When he's used to fighting Thanos. <laughs> Not that they didn't, Well, but... and it's too easy for him to do all of that, you know? Like, it, it's like a flick of the wrist and he, you know, and that's great, but he is... Not even just Thanos. I mean, look at all the other people he's gone up against, the Dark Elves and everything. Like, he is used to... Hella. Yeah, much, a much more formidable force, even his own brother. So, I I just... I understand it, and that's why I think having a two-year gap makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I also want to point out, and this kind of goes with the Guardians, why I think they'll be less involved, too, is because whether or not they were amazing movies or not, the Thor trilogy did the most for the first 10 years of the MCU than anything else. And I'm not going to get angry Iron Man people, but Iron Man, as much as he's the front man, 
his actual trilogy did near to nothing except maybe the first movie. Correct. So when we really look at Thor, he furthered the entire Infinity Stone saga single-handedly, mm-hmm. with the exception of the first cap. I have to think he is going to be ushering in the next 10 years, and there's a reason he's one of the first movies to come within the next, or within the first bit of Phase 4. I am so glad you said that, because I've mentioned this in one of our Ms. Marvel episodes as well. I think it was episode three of Ms. Marvel, but Kevin came out recently and said that in the next few weeks or in the coming days that we're going to get a much better sense of what our full the replacement, if you will, of the Infinity Saga is. Yeah. And I, to your point, you know, Thor being the one to usher that in, that makes so much sense because, again, he laid the groundwork for the entire Infinity Saga. And I did see a, a comment by someone who had seen the movie already that it has been made clear that Chris Hemsworth is taking over RDJ's role as the leader of the MCU and that he will be carrying it forth into the future. So this, again, leads us all to believe, or at least Katie and I, to think that, all right, Thor is going to be that movie that shows us, all right, it's Secret Wars or it's, you know, Secret Invasion, which I don't think it is because we're getting the show, but like just as an example, you know, there's so many overarching plot lines that they could do. And I think, you know, Thor's going to be the key that Kevin was kind of hinting at when he made those comments. Oh, yeah. I mean, I passionately believe that. That is why I don't believe the Guardians are going to stay in this film very long. At the end of the day, Thor has always fought something bigger than him. And not that the other Avengers clearly haven't. I mean, they've fought now a purple alien. But his whole thing as a god is that he is naturally fighting the bigger foes that we couldn't even imagine, like, Yelena, love her, but Yelena fighting on her own. And similar to even when we had Nat or Cap and all of them, it's like, we would never have imagined them going up against the Dark Elves because they wouldn't have even understood what was going on with the Dark Elves. Thor has this endless, endless knowledge because he's a god who's lived many more years than everyone else, and he has power beyond just, you know, a suit or a serum. I 100% believe that whatever is going to happen in this film will have major connections, whether meaningfully or not. And I say it this way in this in the form of, I know it's been confirmed that this movie, or I, or I shouldn't say it's been confirmed. I should say that people have been saying that it has been more of a standalone and has less a bigger MCU-related content, I guess, is the way to put it. But I don't for a second doubt that something within the plot of it itself, similar to, I mean, the Dark Elves with the Aether. Yeah. Okay, no one, like, that movie itself could have been a standalone, but the Aether itself was something that became important later on. Well, think about just the original Thor. It's it's a story about two brothers fighting, but then that second brother goes off to meet the Mad Titan, who then comes to Earth later. Like, without the original Thor movie, which, again, is really a story about a family in crisis, ends up being the catalyst for the entire arc. No, exactly. So that's what I mean. I mean, while it doesn't feel like his films themselves do much, they do open many doors. And that's what I think we'll be seeing now with Love and Thunder, is not necessarily the film itself being, oh, you know... So much in the film ties directly with what we've already seen in the MCU, but I think we will see something coming up that, you know, we're like, oh, there you go. Because, I mean, what were we going to think when Thor first came out and we're watching it and, you know, okay, Loki, 
falls off the thing. He's dead. That was the end of that. Bye, brother. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't until later we got the confirmation how big that was. And that's what I think we'll see now is that maybe the film itself, we won't see those bigger repercussions from the get-go, but we'll be seeing them later on. Yeah, I totally agree. You mentioned a lot that, you know, Thor is obviously a god, and that clearly plays into the major plotline of this film. So I want to dive deeper into gore and gods in general in the MCU because that has a lot more weight than it used to because of some of the things that have come out recently. So, quick dive on gore. He was suffering with his family and the gods did nothing to help him and so from then on he has basically been like you did nothing to help me you don't deserve to exist you are worthless and I will kill you all and that's kind of his main mission so he's just out there trying to kill gods period yeah (laughs) he's out there trying to kill gods and in this film he sets his sight on Thor and all the people around him who would be considered gods so that's kind of in 30,000 foot look at Gore the God Butcher. But what I think is really interesting is, you know, obviously we see in the trailers they bring in Zeus, which is super exciting. We've mentioned that a million times when we were talking about Moon Knight. And then we have all the gods of Moon Knight now. The way that Moon Knight talked about different things has really highlighted the god presence in black panther because i think it's very glossed over oh we get our powers from bast the panther god and it's just kind of this one line that nobody really paid attention to but that is so important now because we're seeing gods from different cultures and so it's gonna be really interesting to see how all of these gods kind of i don't think they're all gonna come together by any means but how a real focus on a godlike state plays into some of these other cultures and their gods yeah i mean i want to say something quick in the basis of I was while I was also doing my research for this film I was watching a video and the person who was doing the video sort of done, did like a food chain now that you know we're getting all these gods and everything coming out of it and it was humans obviously I mean <laughs> as guardians the olympians and then it was the celestials which I think makes a lot of sense to all of us yeah i forgot about the celestials yeah Yeah, (laughs) yeah, them, who have also made an appearance. But I think what's interesting is when we, like, were introduced to Thor, he was a god. I mean, they even, even Natasha, I I always sit there and think, you know, you might want to sit this one out, Cap. These guys are from legend. They're practically gods. Like, I think of that line. And I, I just, to put them almost second to last on the food chain and all that is interesting. And the reason that this creator did so was... For the sake of when we go to where Zeus is, and I don't want to call it fully Olympus because it's not. The, it's a floating like thing, and it's not fully Olympus, and I can't think of the full name of it. But it's because we see Zeus; he's like ten feet tall. Clearly, that, and I think, and the Percy Jackson in me is like, ah, <laughs> I know, yeah. I said, but you know, that's why they put them. And then obviously, the Celestials are a completely different type. I mean, they were going to be above everybody regardless. But I think it's interesting that we you bring up Bass, who's been, we've seen a still of her from this film, so we should be seeing her, hopefully. I mean, I can't imagine, but it's been done before where they do release stills and something, whatever it is, but they're not in the film. But we'll see her, we're going to see Celestials, obviously smaller Celestials, considering, you know, Celestials are literally the size of, like, planets. Yeah. <laughs> and these Celestials, like, wouldn't fit in a planet 
because they're huge. So they're clearly on the smaller scale of celestials. But we're seeing the mix of all of these gods. And to your point, too, with Moon Knight, we saw the gods were bigger in their natural form. I'm intrigued to understand why are, like, this little homeland for all these gods hanging out? You know, I, I just want to understand the, the point or or I, the impact. I don't really know. I just, I think about all these times that we've seen the gods appearing and Thor's out here doing, like, all he can to protect everybody and what and whatnot. And I'm not bashing on any god. I don't know the background yet of where they are, but I just think it's funny. They're all just hanging out on, like, this floating little island thing. Yeah, no, 100%. And I actually was reading an article uh, when I was doing my research and someone was saying, you know, it's interesting that the interaction that we see in the trailer, it seems like Zeus has a problem with Thor. And so, you know, based on what you're saying, I'm wondering if like the Asgard, like there's some sort of beef between the Asgardians and the other gods. And like, that's why they weren't necessarily like invited. It's not just that Thor's like a good dude. It's that he like, wasn't invited to the party. I'm going to argue two things so you, to answer you, sort of. Go for it. For one, I think of Moon Knight, when they talk about that the Egyptian gods made sort of a pact to not interact. And I almost wonder if that was not just the Egyptian gods that necessarily made that pact, but that was an overarching thing that Thor specifically was like, nah. <laughs> I'm doing what I can, right? Well, even the whole Asgardians whole thing about like we're the, you know, leaders of the nine realms, we protect the nine realms. Well, Earth was one of them. Yeah. Well, exactly. So that's why I I argue almost that 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 pact came more from all of the gods that exist and not necessarily just the Egyptian gods. But my second argument just bases itself off of mythology and at the end of the day, Zeus and Thor are pretty much the same in their respective mythologies. Yeah. In Norse mythology, Thor is the Zeus of Greek mythology. I mean, he wields, yes, he's the god of thunder, but he wields lightning. What is Zeus's weapon? The lightning bolt, which we do see, and we actually see Valkyrie use at one point, so we'll get to that. But I mean, they're literally pretty much, I'm going to use this just for the sake of understanding, almost variants of each other just in mythology and each group obviously it has their respective god that looks over each thing but zeus and thor being seen in the same room are like seeing two variants of one person essentially yeah for sure speaking of that scene how funny is that when he like flicks and then all the ladies just like drop not even the ladies there were dudes that went down oh, too. I only saw the ladies around zeus but what I really want to point out is the tattoo on his back that I think everybody went ham over, which is, of course, the Loki horns in honor of his brother, who he thinks is dead, which, to be fair, the brother he knew is dead, but TBD. <laughs> okay, well then I'm going to ask the question that I know everyone's asking, are we seeing Loki in this movie? Okay, here's my thing. Tom Hiddleston made a boo-boo. A few months, not a few months ago, a few weeks ago, he also made a baby, by the way. There's a baby coming, a baby Hiddles, but that's not neither here nor there. But a few weeks ago, he was doing press for his new show, The Essex Serpent, and he was talking about, again, how there's really no Thor without Loki, and they're so intertwined. And then just a few days ago, or about a week ago, he comes out and he's like, 
yeah, you know, this is the first time I'm not involved with Thor. Because before he was like, oh, you'll have to wait and see if I'm in the film. And now he's just straight up denying it. So the change in tone to me is a dead giveaway that he's in the film. And Kevin rang him up and was like, buddy, maybe not. So is Andrew Garfielding us? I really think he is because I think he thought he was getting away with it. And Kevin was basically like, you just gotta shut it down. I also think there have been, and a lot of fans pointed this out from the first trailer, that it happened again in more images that were released as part of the trailer later on, that the camera shot, and you don't have to be a photographer to point this out, but I also noticed it from just the photography point of view, was that you have Thor in the middle third, you have Korg in the last third off to the right, and then you have an open space. And that's, I think, the most iconic one. It happened again, but I don't, I can't pinpoint the image right now. But I know that's the one, like, as soon as I just said, started saying it, I know you all pictured it. I, I'm aware that everybody was pointing it out on the internet. Do I necessarily think it's Loki? I don't know, but I will say it's suspicious. And I don't know who they, <laughs> well, it is. And I don't know who they'd be hiding. Because the thing is, is, it wouldn't be Gamora, and I know that's been getting thrown around just as she's somebody who might show up. Maybe she will, but I think that's a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 problem. I was just going to say, I don't think they're going to bring Gamora back in a franchise that's not their own. No. They're going to wait. And, like, you know what? Maybe they split up because they find a lead to find 2014 Gamora, and that's why the Guardians go off, and it directly sets up Guardians 3. Yeah. That's fine with me. She's not coming back in this film. I'm sorry. I'm willing to put my skin in the game for that one. And even if she is... Why would she be standing there with Thor and Korg and the goats? So, like, I don't really... Her need there is non-existent. Agreed. But who else? You know, we are... Like, they very obviously have already confirmed Mighty Thor. We have our Valkyrie back. We have a lot of people. The only thing I might raise that wouldn't be Loki, but would be kind of a surprise entrance again, would be one of the Warriors 3 or Lady Sif. Now, we know some of the Warriors 3... I are dead. Yeah, Hogan is dead. and But Sif is not. No, and she's in the movie. Yeah. Someone has said that, I, I know these rumors have been flying around for years, that Jamie Alexander filmed for this movie, so she's back. That At least that's the rumor that's been, you know, I, that's not confirmed, but that's been going around for years. Yeah, I would passionately put probably especially her because i don't think she was even in ragnarok she wasn't yeah we had the warriors three but we didn't have her i passionately believe it would probably be her for the sake of i don't really see how loki will fit into the film himself but i do think he'll fit into an end credit scene perhaps or something of that manner because i'm sorry but you don't give thor a massive tattoo of his brother's horns and you're not going to bring him back eventually to make fun of him having a tattoo of his brother's horns well not to mention like he's alive like it's it would be different if it was like a tony level death where like he's going to stay dead right but like you've already established that a version of the character is still alive so like it would be dumb to not bring him back to his roots, especially because, like, Tom has pointed this out so many times, the relationship between Loki and Thor is so foundational to both of their characters that you cannot ignore it. You cannot act like 
Loki doing his own thing and Thor doing his own thing is going to be sustainable as long as they're both alive in some form or another. Well, and politely, not after that Loki show. (laughs) And they're going to have a season two. I'm sorry, but like, that is not going to be sustainable, especially for Loki. And he's a beloved character, but as somebody who has run in that fandom circle for as long as I have, I am well aware that many beloved fans hated that show because they did not like what they did to his character. So I agree that I think it'll happen eventually, but I do see it being like an end credit scene, which I know we'll get to, and I'll explain to why and what I'm picturing for that end credit scene. We'll get there. But I don't see his addition happening in the film itself. That's fair. I think my hope was always that he was that far left third. But if I'm being logical, I think your argument makes a lot of sense for it being Lady Sif and that Loki wouldn't come in until later. However, the one caveat being, Loki too is a god. So... I was thinking that. That puts him right... He'd still fit the criteria. Exactly. It puts him right in the crosshairs of Gore the God Butcher, and especially because Gore has a serious wish, it seems like, in a fixation on Thor and the Thor's loved ones. Well, who does Thor love more in this world than Loki? I would say no one, because his parents are dead, so really he just loves his brother. Well, and honestly, the other thing I will argue for Sif with, at least, as well, is don't forget in Thor 2, Sif was interested in Thor. And she very likely was to be his bride eventually, had good old plain Jane here not shown up. I would not be surprised if we got almost like a Doctor Strange style ending to that to one love story in this film and the introduction to another one. I actually would love that because aren't they, they're married and I know Thor and Jane obviously have a relationship in the comics, but I think, isn't Sif his wife? I don't know. I don't know that, so I don't want to put that out there, but I think they do have a romantic relationship in the comics. Whether or not they're actually married, he has a romantic relationship with both of them, not at the same time, but like at different points in his very long life, he's had a relationship with both of them. Yeah, and I I would have to think personally that to to my point we're getting that kind of this produces a type of closure for him with Jane he obviously still feels it because he's counting the days (laughs) yeah which also kind of annoys me because the man's been through a lot more than his breakup and I'm like and you're gonna capitalize off of that really but whatever yeah I definitely thought it was a little bit of a step backwards and a little disjointed I just thought it was hilarious yeah when you look at it it's like it was like MOM when you look at it as a film and you were like, oh, that's, that's fine. It was good. And then you like actually look at it like without all the glitter around it. And you're like, mm, you know, that's how it feels. Like that line was like, oh, that's funny. But then you kind of really think about it. And you're like, okay, but uh, what are we doing here? And I have a lot of things that I'm sure we'll eventually get to, not obviously in this, but in general for Thor's character development over the years. <laughs> because while he's led so much, his character development has probably been one of the worst. I can't wait until we get to the replay for Endgame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just has been victim, unfortunately, to too many directors and writers doing him so differently in each one and pretty much undoing, especially in Infinity War. When we get to Ragnarok and Infinity War, that's just like... It's jarring. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Or, or, I mean, the same directors did him dirty. No offense to the Russo brothers, but they literally... Okay, whatever. Not the point. But I will just say I do think, you know, it would be one of those like, whoa, we're bringing back somebody who we haven't seen in years. 
And I think it would make a lot of sense to finally give Thor somewhat of a happier ending, or at least the start of a happier ending, to give him somebody who, you know, works with him. And that would be Lady Sif. Well, and I think, too, you know, we've hinted at, obviously, Thor's loss of literally everyone. He's very alone. That's why he ended up with the Guardians, you know? Yeah. I mean, he has Korg. Yes. (laughs) And Korg is very adamant that he is Thor's best friend. But... You know, arguably his best friend on the Avengers was Steve, right? Yeah. I think they understood each other the best. They were really good fighting partners. There was a bond there. Well, Steve left. Yeah. So he lost his best friend on the Avengers. Want to talk about character development. I know. (sighs) Endgame's going to be a long, long episode, guys. It might have to be two. (laughs) Yeah. Or at least there's not going to be another film combined with it. It's just going to be Endgame alone. Yeah. But, um, you know, he lost Steve. He lost, obviously, Loki. To his knowledge, mom, dad, part of the Warriors 3, Heimdall. His planet. Asgard. You know, he lost so much. Half his people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mjolnir. Yeah, and now it's like with someone else, like his ex-girlfriend. So he's just feeling all types of things. But think about it this way, like throughout all of that loss, up until that point, and through no fault of her own, it's just writing, or probably more realistically scheduling. Lady Sif was by his side. She understands him. She understands what the loss of Asgard would do to someone because I don't really think that many people love Asgard as much as Lady Sif does. So she understands him on a level that most other people don't. And I think he really is just very lonely. I mean, he ended up with, of all people, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, the man needs someone in his life. They're pretty much just a mixed bunch. Like, they're the same thing where they were all alone and slowly just picked each other up. Exactly. But, like, he needs someone in his life who truly understands him. And to your point, I think Lady Sif is a really good match. I don't think he's gonna end back up with Jane. I know there's shots of them holding hands. That's a freaking mulligan. I don't think they're gonna end back up together. I don't think Natalie Portman wants, to your point, to do this for the next five, ten years. And I think with Chris's adamance that he wants to keep doing it, I could see him and Lady Sif, Jamie Alexander, you know, continuing in that role and working as... A partnership, a true partnership, which is something he really hasn't had. Yeah, I just, with the history of what we've had with Lady, not Lady Sif, with Jane and him, I just don't see it. I mean, Jane was not there. And I listen, I get they broke up, but she wasn't there for any of this. The only thing she was there for for was the loss of his mother because it was her fault but whatever, because she literally died saving her. For what reason? Who knows? Uh, No, I do know. She had the ether. I get it. But, like, still. (laughs) Regardless, she was only there for one heartache of his. He has literally lost everything else since. His eye? I forgot to mention his eye. Which, by the way... Yeah, which is magically back. I was gonna say, and it's the same color, so they randomly found him a blue eye that matches his other blue eye? I don't buy it. That was annoying to me. In all honesty, when the trailer dropped, I tweeted that. I was like, oh, I'm so glad they magically found Thor's second eye, because it just didn't make sense. I was like, it took me a second. I didn't even think about it until I was like, oh my god, no, they totally had him lose an eye. Yeah, the whole point was to make him look like his father. Yeah. And then they completely undid it in Endgame and Infinity War, and now they're just continuing the undoing. It's almost like that's what Endgame did <laughs> to Thor's entire character arc from Ragnarok, but whatever. I mean, yes, but I specifically we're talking about the eye in this moment. Yeah, it- 
I don't want to talk about Infinity War and Endgame right now because they'll just make me angry, but they are such pivotal things in what happens in Thor's history that you almost can't, not even almost, you can't ignore them. But I will say, you know, Jane wasn't there. Granted, she was dusted during some of it, but during some of the rest of it, she wasn't. What about the past two years? I want to understand how she becomes Thor. I want to understand why Mjolnir chooses her, how Mjolnir gets back into one piece. I want to get that. And I think until I do, I'm not going to be able to understand why, yeah, they broke up, but why'd she stop looking for Thor? Why'd he stop looking for her? Like, we kind of got his end of it, but I want to understand hers. Yeah. And what happened. But before we get to, ironically, it was one shot, but the biggest elephant in the room. I do want to talk about the whole Mjolnir thing. Okay. Because we get Hela destroying it, rip Mew Mew, and then, you know, Thor goes on. The whole point of Ragnarok is to prove that he is powerful without a weapon, doesn't need a weapon. But then naturally the Russo brothers give him a new weapon in Infinity War, and that's pretty much his entire Infinity War arc is to make a new weapon. Weird, but whatever. He gets a new weapon. We have we have new baby. We have Stormbreaker. Fine. Well, how did Mjolnir just pew pew back together? Not to mention, the article I was reading was talking about, and I didn't really understand this, because when, in the trailer, let me backtrack, in the trailer you see Jane fighting and she... Like, does this motion where she, like... Disintegrates to, like, breaks into pieces. Yeah, I thought that was ice. I was like, why is Mew Mew spewing ice? And then it wasn't until I read this article that they were like, no, it's actually spewing pieces of itself, and then it comes back together. I can understand if Frigga was still alive to do that level of magic. Heck, even Loki. But you lost two of the most powerful sorcerers in the realm, and you cannot tell me that Jane Foster went to Doctor Strange to have Mew Mew fixed. So, what kind of powerful magician put this together? I know they have said that Eitri, Peter Dinklage's character, has been cut. Like, he filmed scenes with Christian Bale and then was cut out of the film. Yeah. Is it possible that, you know, he also filmed scenes where he's putting Mew Mew back together? Maybe? But, like, still, I that takes some high-level magic that we just don't have those players on the board anymore. And not to mention, Mew Mew went down in, what was it, like, Norway or something? Yeah, in the middle of the grass in Norway. And so... Who just, I, Thor was a little busy to have gone back to get them. And I was seeing this question, wasn't even a theory. It was just a question of, well, Mjolnir is still enchanted enough, so who can pick up the pieces? Oh, yeah. So that brings that question about, too, is she may have broke it. That doesn't mean it's not enchanted. Those pieces would still, someone would still probably have to be worthy to pick it up. Also, who goes looking for it, you know? Counterpoint. And this isn't even a counterpoint. This is just a question. Okay. How does the enchantment change when Odin is dead? I don't know, because Stormbreaker's not enchanted. I know. Which might be, dare I say it, not to undermine Jane, but that just might just go to say she's not necessarily worthy. Right, because who's to say that without the enchanter being alive, the spell works the same? I don't know that it necessarily does. It's not a given. I'm just putting that out there because I was thinking about what happened on that grassy knoll in Norway and I was like, wait a minute, Odin bit the dust. That's why Hela came. Well, and what also is a thing that I need explained in the MCU because I know there's explanations in the comics. 100% I get that. I need the explanation in the MCU because the whole point of Ragnarok, like I said, was to showcase that Thor doesn't need something to wield his power he himself is the power which makes sense loki has his powers and abilities he doesn't need anything to other than himself so 
That's what Ragnarok taught us. Great. How can Jane wield Thor's power if the only point of him having Mjolnir was to channel what he already had? It's like the opposite of the bangle that we're seeing in Miss Marvel. Counterpoint to that? That's not a point. That's a question. Oh, okay. Great. Even better? Because I think I have an answer. Okay. If you think about Onan's enchantment word for word, it's he who shall be worthy shall have the power of Thor. Okay, true. Yes, for Thor, he does have it innately correct. And for him, it's essentially a lightning rod. But for another wielder who's not naturally imbued with the power of Thor, it does give them the power. Okay, fair. Based simply on Odin's words. Fair. Then we just have to understand how Mew just came back to life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not upset. Yumiu was a character death that I was not emotionally prepared for. I'm glad they're back, but I'm just confused. Uh, yeah. So we'll have to see on that one. Jury's out. But I want to talk about that, uh, the last thing for me, at least, other than our end credit scenes predictions. And it's probably the elephant in the room. But, you know, we got uh, some confirmation about Mr. Watcher in this trailer. That we did. And I know we mentioned it in our Ms. Marvel episode because... We were talking about dimensions, and God only knows how that works, but he's back. His head is in some room that Jane is in, so he officially canonically exists in live-action MCU. Obviously, we know that there is some crossover between live-action and animation. We saw that in, of course, MOM, but this is further confirmation that more and more characters from What If are starting to appear in live-action. It's citing, I don't think we're going to actually see him in the flesh. I think this is very much just a, for all you eagle-eyed Marvel fans, this one's for you, but I'm not ruling out that later on, especially if we are going in the route of a Secret Wars, that the Watcher will play a role because that's his whole shtick. So, like, why wouldn't he be there? Again, I haven't read the comics, but to me, it just makes logical sense. Well, and going off of the other faces, who all are important in the comics as well. The one next to the Watcher we've seen multiple times, including in MOM, when they're passing through, it's I, one of the first worlds that it goes that they go through, and you see his head, and he has three faces. One the front, one on the side, one on the other side, and he's in Loki. I was going to say the TVA. So is that he who remains? Oh, no. I don't think he... No, he's a head on the end of time. He's just chilling like a... He's like a statue head, just like on the side. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. I was thinking of the three bodies that surround the elevators in the TVA. Yeah, no, but he he was in Loki for a day. He did make an appearance at the head of his statue. So my recommendation is read our blog that we'll talk more about them um, because their names and backgrounds I will mention. We don't have a lot of time to get into those right now. But what is interesting is these are cosmic beings, essentially, who form their own little supergroup. And that, to me, is another big indicator of what really is coming next, other than some multiversal stuff, is cosmic. I Yes, I agree. I think if we're going to take it all the way back to the beginning of this episode and talk about, well, kind of the beginning, you know, we talked about Kevin's statement. I think if you put together Ms. Marvel and how that's beginning to connect to Shang-Chi, and how that's coming out right about at the same time as Thor, and we've still got two more episodes of that, and you take in the timing of Kevin's statements and what's going on in, in these franchises, I think you're right. I think whatever it is, 
that is our big bad is super, super cosmic. And they have said, and this is Taika talking, but, you know, take this with a grain of salt because they all like to lie to us. But they've said that there is not really a multiversal aspect in this film. Right. It is not related to the multiverse at all, which you and I have talked about. We don't really, we didn't really think that it would anyway. Yeah. But that's further confirmation then that if Thor is the catalyst to the future, that the future of the MCU or the future arc that we're moving into is not the multiverse. The multiverse is some side little thing like Civil War that like just kind of happens and like, leads us towards it, but doesn't necessarily mean it's the quote-unquote endgame. The multiverse is a huge stepping point to bringing people into the the MCU and for possibly bringing in people like Galactus, who might not be in our MCU, but are elsewhere. Yeah. People even maybe like Ultron Vision, because you have the ability to explore those now. Do I think we're seeing much more of it now past a possible incursion, even a Secret Wars? No. I think it's going to be a big moment, but I think you're going to have just as much cosmically related things. I mean, there's a reason the Eternals were brought in in Phase 4. Look at who the Eternals are. Look at who the Eternals serve. Yes, I agree with that. I do think cosmic is the way to go. I'm not ready to totally write off Secret Wars. Oh, I'm not at all either, but I definitely think there's going to be quite an MCO spin on it, and I think that's going to be a cosmic phenomenon. I also think it's possible that we're doing a little bit of both. Yeah, I actually was going to say, like, is there a way to do whatever this cosmic threat is and also do Secret Wars? I mean, we've talked so many times about how do you bring in these street-level heroes and someone like a Captain Marvel and a Thor? Obviously, we've seen Thor work with them before, but, like, when you've got threats like this, like, it doesn't make sense to have, again, love Yelena, but, like, have a Yelena out there against some sort of cosmic threat. Like, what is she going to do? Whereas, like, she could be a really big asset in a battle world where she's battling someone else at her skill level in Secret Wars. So, like, do I think that they're ever going to do something where, like, only half of their Avengers are going to, like, be in the major roll-up? Like, no, of course not. They're going to bring everyone together in some endgame level shot like they did. Like, the portal shot is iconic. It's always going to be iconic. They're going to try to do it again and do it bigger. But is there a way to kind of have it both ways where some of your, like, maybe some of your more street-level characters are doing something like a Secret Wars that's a little more attainable to them than something so cosmic that's really built for more of a Marvels and Thor and Eternals? Yeah, I I agree. And I almost dare I just mention that I wonder if it'll go more. Secret Wars is what we'll work towards now. Cosmic is that slow burn. Keep in mind... A lot of the cosmic stuff has been happening slower than the multiversal stuff. The multiversal stuff we've been watching happen. It has made an appearance. I mean, even now Miss Marvel, which we thought was going to be mainly a cosmic-related thing, is now possibly being theorized to be a big multiversal plot. Yeah. So I'm starting to wonder if, yeah, we'll, we'll head towards something huge now, but then we have something even bigger on the horizon. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like... Again, like, I'm just going to bring this metaphor in, but, like, the way they did Civil War. Obviously, so many films led into Civil War. And up until that point, Civil War was the biggest thing we'd ever seen on screen. It blew the Avengers out of the water. It blew Age of Ultron out of the water in terms of scale. Obviously, Endgame and Infinity War just, like, made 
Civil War looked like small potatoes. But up until that point, that was the biggest thing we'd ever seen. Yeah. So it could be that, like, a Secret Wars, which the only caveat I have to this is, like, in the comics, Secret Wars is considered one of the biggest moments in comic history ever. So I do have some trouble thinking of it as kind of, like, a small stepping stone to something else because comically it is such a big experience. But I'm not ruling it off the table because I I think it's still... There's so many things pointing to it that there has to be some sort of way they bring it in. Oh, and I don't mean stepping stone. I just mean it's maybe the next thing we're really working towards, but we've got this underlying cosmic thing moving. So what you're saying is we go Infinity Saga, Secret Wars, some unnamed cosmic thing in about 15 years? Because keep up with me when I think of this. Like I said, the multiverse aspect of things have been moving much faster than our cosmic-related little thing. We had Shang-Chi, which really brought in this first idea, which we didn't expect to. No. But it did. And it started to bring in that there's something going on out there. Then we had the Eternals, which was mainly the next big thing. But it didn't wrap up with everything else. And I expect to see an Eternals 2 far before we'll see anything in a big cosmic fight because of the Celestials. Oh, agreed. So going off of that, we don't even have an Eternals 2 slated. Keeping up in that mind... Then we went into a bunch of multiversal things. I think this would be the first fairly cosmic thing we see in a while. And it's one clip that we saw from a trailer so far. With the exception of Ms. Marvel. Right. Because that potentially ties to Shang-Chi. Yeah, that'll tie in, but that's the show itself as of right now has not yet had the cosmic relation. Because right now it might be more multiversal. So I think until we finish it, we can't really confirm that. Regardless... We've gotten, what, 12, 13 works in the past year and a half, and we've only had maybe three or four tie into a cosmic line versus we've had all the others pretty much tying into some sort of a multiversal thing and or wrapping up just, you know, some things that came out from Endgame, which, you know, you needed, so you still had to have those. I just, my thoughts are going in that direction, but... That is where we'll we'll end that. I want to finish this up with our mid-credit and end-credit predictions. Do I have to go first? I mean, I already kind of started saying at least one of mine. All right, you go first. Okay. So, like I said, I kind of said mine a little earlier that I think we will see a Loki appear. I say a Loki because I'm kind of unsure <laughs> of which one. <laughs> but I do think we'll have a Loki appear because I think it is unlikely that we will completely ignore that. I also think where the first season of Loki left off, it was him in a random TVA. You cannot tell me because, I mean, being stuck in a TVA that's random to you is worse than being stuck in a different universe to if he is in a different universe to whatever degree. But my point being, that looks the same everywhere almost because they're TVAs. So I think he will try to go back into a regular universe. And I think ironically, he will somehow end up in ours. And I think all we will see is a portal appear. And I think that might be it. I don't even know if we'll get confirmation of it being our Loki or not. I think we will just see a TVA portal appear. And I think that might be the one that ties semi into this film. My other one, I have no thought. <laughs> I 
it's hard because we've been pulled into so many different places with end credit scenes lately that they're starting to follow less and less of a criteria. I mean, don't get me started on the second one from MOM. Uh. Do I think we're going to get that? No. I think this is such an important film that at the end of the day, it's going to further something. That's what we said about MOM, though. (laughs) I don't think they'll do two in a row. (laughs) New justification. (laughs) Yeah, I also think, look at Thor. I mean, Thor, his end credit single-handedly has led so much into things that... I really don't see us not having maybe even another one that comes from this film, but opening something bigger. I mean, we do see Celestials in this film. Do we consider maybe having something with that? I don't know. Maybe we'll see one that wraps this film up. I Because obviously we haven't seen the film. We don't know how it's going to end. Maybe we have sort of something like Shang-Chi, where it was an end credit scene, but it furthered what happened after the movie itself. Do I think we might see that? Yeah, we might. I just think it makes the most sense to have one that might be Loki-related and one that might wrap into what's coming next because of this film. Okay, fair. I'm going to steal your Loki one. I really like that. I don't know if you guys... (gasps) What if it's so... uh, Not Silky, Sylvie. Yeah, that crossed my mind when you said a Loki. I refuse. I just will not even... Like, I know. Oh, but I'm starting, my brain's starting to really wonder. Mm. No, here's why I don't think it's going to be Sylvie, because it would not have the same emotional impact, because to Thor, she's some random woman, right? So if you're going for emotional impact, you want to go for Loki, because he's going to recognize his own brother. Yes, but I'm also thinking shock factor. We're all wanting Loki. Who would shock us is if Sylvie just shows on up. Because think about this. I'm thinking of Thor's tattoo. Because I don't know if we ever got a confirmation that Sylvie had a Thor. I don't remember if we ever did. I don't think she ever... She never talked about him. Exactly. So she wouldn't inherently know what Thor looks like if she never had one. But guess what? She now has... Or he has a literal branding on his head. Or on his back. Of Loki's head, thorn, horns. (laughs) I hate where this conversation is going. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, how else does he confirm who he is? Oh, I literally have a tattoo devoted to my dead brother. I refuse. I'm just not even going to entertain it. And she's MIA. The second season of Loki, we know is going to follow, obviously, our Loki. But it would make a lot of sense if she wandered into the current MCU timeline. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about this. Oh, I hate that I said that. I liked her up until the incest, or not the real, I guess it's incest, self-cest, whatever it is, but- It's self-cest, yeah. I liked her until that, you know, and then that happened, but I, that would shock me. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not even gonna entertain it. I'm gonna go paint you all this beautiful picture about what I want to happen, I think genuinely could. There's this panel that a fan drew- of at the time it was bro thor because we did not have any trailers relating to love and thunder i think it came out like a few weeks after the loki show ended or right around when the loki show ended so i'm talking like literally like i think i know what panel you're talking about yeah probably it was all over the internet so probably like a year ago and it's this shot of bro thor just looking really sad and you see the tva door and loki steps out and all he says is brother 
and it's just like this beautiful like I remember looking at the panel and just crying and that's what I'm imagining because I can't think of anything more beautiful than that truly especially because you see these shots of Thor sitting in the sun and Loki's last words to his brother where the sun will shine on us again and like it would just be a beautiful moment where they finally get to like reunite even though it's not our Loki but like he knows the story of our Loki so that's like a whole other thing so that's my mid-credit thought is that it's got to be something Loki related because again you don't have Thor without Loki you don't have Loki without Thor you just don't do it so mid-credit done Loki in some capacity in my heart of hearts I want that panel recreated now for end credit I too struggled with this but I have decided to pick one thing and stick with it and it is that it's going to relate to Black Panther Wakanda forever. Okay. I could I understand that. I have a couple of reasons for this. My first reason is that obviously it's the next movie on the horizon. We know that She-Hulk comes out next, but it does not make sense in terms of relations between the franchises to have Thor lead into She-Hulk. And I know sometimes you well, can Well, it sorta of does. Yes, but I just don't think they're... I truly just don't think they're going to do it. I just don't see it happening. Listen, I'm only going to argue with you on that one for the sake of... If you remember Prime MCU, and I, I've heard a lot of fans... We were we actually pointed this out in a podcast episode a little while back. And then I started seeing a lot of fans talk about it, too. Prime MCU would give us just the most random end credit scene. And it didn't matter what re it related to or didn't relate to. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I'm pretty sure one of, like, Age of Ultron, or I don't remember which one it was, but one of them gave a really random end credit scene of Civil War. It was, like, a whole scene from Civil War and just, like, with Bucky. And it was, like, the most random thing. and no and But we didn't know what the context was. So if Marvel's listening to us... A lot of OG fans have started, and I know we said it too, have started to kind of be like, why aren't we really getting, like, random stuff anymore? Like, I want to have random end credit scenes that I don't understand until, you know, two years later when our, uh, one film confirms it all. So, it's possible really anything's up for grabs. Yes, I will give you that, and I do kind of miss that approach to them as well. Yeah, I do too. That was my weaker of the two arguments. My stronger of the two arguments is that we've talked about the relationship between gods. Obviously, we're going to have Bast theoretically in the film based on the stills that we've gotten. So I think it makes sense to then do a lead into the next movie relating to that culture, especially if we're going to talk about gods and then we're going to move into there. I also think just from a logistical standpoint, We've talked about this a million times. That franchise has basically had to completely think itself over yeah. because of the tragic passing of Chadwick. So to me, you can't just cold open that film because so much has changed. You have to tee it up in something ahead of time before it comes out because otherwise, like, it's not going to make sense because they have to have changed things. And people simply won't care if you don't do it right. If they don't think you're going to do it right, they're not going to watch it. So to me, you have to tee it up somewhere. And I genuinely believe that Thor Love and Thunder is the last opportunity to tee it up in a way that is big, theatrical, and makes sense. Because Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk do not make sense in order to tee something up as big as Wakanda forever and replacing, not replacing the actor because they're not recasting him, but replacing the main person playing Black Panther or being the Black Panther because of what happened to Chad. So to me, this is the last shot. And in my perspective, it's got to be Wakanda forever. 
Yeah, I mean, the argument's strong for that as well. So, and that kind of goes with, I was just saying much more broadly that it would be something relating to this film. I mean, Bass is supposed to be in the film. So that pretty much would go line line even with what I was saying. Exactly. I'm fresh out. How are you feeling about Thor Love and Thunder predictions? Feeling good. I feel like, I mean, I don't feel good about my predictions necessarily, (laughs) but I feel good just about, I think I've said everything I need to say. Yeah, agreed. Last thought is that I am literally so excited for this film. We're recording on a Thursday, the Thursday before the movie. So in about one week, yeah, in about seven days, almost to the hour, we're going to be both heading out to the film separately. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to watch this one together, but so close. I'm so excited. I can't believe it's already here. And we are so even more pumped to get back on the recording and talk to you guys about reactions and hopefully we have so much to talk about because I really think we will and it's going to be a great film. Needless to say, definitely guys, don't wait on this one. Get out there and see it. The spoilers I'm sure will be running rampant so prepare yourselves and get out and see the film. If you're looking forward to our coverage of Thor Love and Thunder, you should definitely subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice if you haven't done so already. You can also give us a rating or a review if you're enjoying the show. We love feedback from you guys. We love hearing from you guys. And that's just one more way for you to let us know how you're feeling. You can also follow the blog. Like Katie mentioned, we have lots of extra content on there. So she's definitely going to do a deep dive into those the statues that you can see in the shot with Jane and plenty of other things that are going to give details in the blog. There's some great stuff on there. So definitely follow and check that out for sure. And last but not least, give our Spotify page a follow. We have playlists for all of the individual shows, as well as one big playlist for all of our coverage relating to the movies. And last but not least, a playlist with all the songs that you can find in the MCU that are available on Spotify. Make sure you guys are also following our Twitter at Let's Talk MFT. It has all of our podcast episodes and blog posts that go up linked directly on there. So you can really just hit anything there as long as you're following it. Click the link and go right to it. We also share our theories and predictions along with retweeting or interacting with yours. So tweet us your theories all the time. We love to interact with you. We love to share them if there's something that we definitely think of and relate to and we like them we will definitely share them and give you a little shout out as well so definitely make sure you guys are following that and so now coming up we have episode five already of miss marvel we're almost done with that which feels really weird but we are and then of course we'll have to taylor's point we'll have our reactions episode so it will be another double week make sure you guys are watching all the content and making sure you're listening to our content as marvel just blew your mind so let's talk about it